Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome back to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and for those of you who did not tune into part one of our 2019-2020 NBA preview, um, as I mentioned earlier, I am pleased to be rejoined by my friends John and Neil. We broke down the first part of our NBA preview using, the, as I mentioned, the Western Conference, talking about the teams that we thought would finish in the top 11, meaning the first three teams out of the playoffs, as well as the eight teams in the playoffs. So we're going to do the same thing for part two of this pod, or episode two of our preview, doing the same thing in the Eastern Conference. We'll talk about the three teams who are going to be the ones just missing the cut, as well as the eight teams who we project will be the ones in the postseason in order of projected win totals if we get to that part of our conversation. So John and Neil, welcome back. Let's just jump right in with the three teams who we think will not make the playoffs, but will be on the doorstep of them. Be curious to see if any of our respective favorite teams make the cut. So I'll let either one of you guys jump in. Who are the three that you have not making the playoffs, but just being the first three out in the Eastern Conference? Go for it, John. So I do not have the Wizards in this conversation. Um, I do have the Wizards finishing better than the Knicks because I think the Knicks roster is... <laughs> I should <laughs> hope so. I mean, I mean, they have like every power forward known to man on their roster, which really is what the NBA is all about these days. But um, yeah, I have the Wizards finishing probably in that 30-win range. But uh, my three teams out are going to be... The Bulls, uh, the Hawks, and the Nets. Which I think that's might, hot take coming which, out of the gate strong. Whoa. I just, I just don't. Uh, Kyrie's such a bitch. He is. He is no a bitch. <clears throat> no disagreement. I, I think, argue. I think they're going to have a real chemistry issue. I can definitely see them taking steps back. They're going to be. Pine, they're playing for next year anyways. So I I, I have them just missing it because I think that there are other teams that are ahead of them that making the playoffs mean more to them. So let's, so, let's just jump right into the Nets because we, we'll, we'll start out hot with John bringing the guns out right off the bat. Dude, you, yeah, I, you, I have them at five. I have, man. I have them at six. So I have them projected right around 43 wins. I absolutely can see a universe where what John says happens. Like, I don't, I don't, uh, it's not crazy. You're not being Skip Bayless just to stir shit up just for the sake of it. Um, I said this a hundred times in conversations with either of you or both of you prior to the end of last year and as free agency started. I hate the idea of the Nets signing Kyrie Irving. Hated it from the when it was a rumor, hated it when it happened, and hate it to this day. The Nets were the best story in the NBA last year, by far. They were, you know, they they were plucky, they exceeded their expectations, they liked each other, they were genuinely fun to watch, and you had Kyrie Irving the biggest possible turd you could put into the punch bowl onto this team it's just it's it's so hard to be excited about this team as an objective nba fan when you know they've added kyrie irving like you kenny atkinson's such a good coach sean marks did such a good job as a gm they got themselves out of the worst trade in nba history after destroying their entire asset base 
only to add Kyrie Irving, who is as damaged goods as any NBA player in recent memory. Maybe as damaged goods since Kobe after the Colorado incident. But they had to do it because it got him Durant. So, <sighs> yeah, right? I don't think Durant would have gone without Kyrie. But I mean, the and it got him DeAndre Jordan, who's going to be a very <laughs> solid non-contributor because uh, Jared like, Allen's I, way better than him. I, you know, I just, I really hope. DJ doesn't take any minutes away from that dude. That's, That's just the like, problem. But he will. That's exactly what the problem is. It's not just Kyrie. Then you add stupid-ass DeAndre Jordan, who's going to be taking minutes away from these guys. You're adding Kyrie Irving to hog the ball, and then eventually Kevin Durant will get his touches as well if, whenever he plays. Now you're taking away from the development of someone like Karis LeVert, right? I mean, it's just it, it, it just sucks. It just sucks so much. Everything that was good and pure about sports and basketball and everything was almost embodied in Brooklyn. And you add fucking Kyrie Irving to this mix. And uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. And, and D'Lo was like, D'Angelo Russell was such a feel good story last year. Like yeah. he had his coming out party and everything. And like, yeah, it sucks to see him go. He had to go, obviously, if Kyrie's in town. But I mean, I, I, you know, that's, uh, I would have rather can, they signed Kemba. I yes. could totally have one hundred percent. Yeah. Well, that's why Boston did. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because they already went through the Kyrie experience, and they wanted nothing to do with it again. Well, and he wanted nothing to do with them either, because he's crazy. Um, yeah. He. There's just something wrong with him. I think he's really gonna mess up that the, the chemistry of the team. And as I said, they're not playing for this year. That's why I have them. Just I think Kyrie is going to play for this year, and this is where I think the talent. So I mean, it's hard to argue that Kyrie Kyrie is talented. I, I don't. I mean, I don't think anybody can really argue against that. He's just kind of an asshole, and uh, I, I think Kyrie has something to play for. Um, I think he's really going to try to prove that Boston was a fluke, and this is exactly the same situation as Boston last year. Um, he's got a bunch of young guys. He wants to try to be the alpha dog. This is basically a do-over. You don't get many of these. And so I, I really think he's going to try to take advantage of this. Do you really think well, Kyrie Irving is introspective enough to do anything that you just outlined? Um, he has shown signs of it sometimes. Like his pressers, his, his uh, intro presser was pretty introspective about some things. Will it manifest on the court? I doubt it. But – I, you know, the guy's got talent, the guy's got skill, and talent wins games in the NBA. Superstars win games. He just likes the sound of his own voice. That's all it is. He'll <laughs> say anything. So the over-under for them is 42 and a half. Well, you're taking if they, the under. <laughs> if, they take, if they fall in the under, like typically the ace, you have to, most of the time the ace seed is at least an, a 500 or better team. And so if they slip under 500... I could see them falling out. Yeah, that's solid. I mean, I can't argue with any of that. So the team that I have at as my number eight seed, I have them right at, again, in my faux analytics projection, I have them right like 41 and 41, right? Maybe 42 wins at most. But getting back to our first three out, Neil, who do you have as the first three? I have Pistons, and then I have Go Bulls, and then I have the Hawks. Okay, so Neil and I are a much are much more in lockstep. I have Detroit as the nine seed. I have Chicago as the ten seed, and I have 
Drum roll, please. The, the Wizards. The Washington Wizards as your eleven as your eleven seed, and I fully one hundred percent take a hundred full ownership of a, it being a homer pick because that's a homer pick. If I had sure. if I had to. If I if if there were cer- important circumstances involved in making my prediction, then I would have the Atlanta Hawks as actual as the uh, as the eleven seed. But for the sake of this argument, I'm just going to have the Washington Wizards there, just because I want to make sure that we don't fully gloss over them for the purposes of this conversation. <laughs> so I will say that I've been impressed with the Wizards off season. I think they've done the best that they could with the asset that they have. I think they've built. A very intriguing front office. Um, I think uh, Rui Hachimura actually looks better than anticipated. They're excited about Rui. Admiral, man. The Admiral, too. Admiral Schofield is competing for that uh, uh, number three spot on, you know, because who's going to start as the small forward? Nobody knows. Um, It should be Troy Brown, but it it could be uh, Schofield. It it could be somebody else. yeah, there. I don't know. I mean, I, I had them you know, as my Isaiah, 12th seed. Is, where does Isaiah Thomas play? Is he your back? Is he just a first, first off the bench backup PG? Probably. Unfortunately, your starting point guard's Ish Smith. I would rather not have either one of those two and kept uh, Sato instead of letting him go to the Bulls for <laughs> a reasonable price. Like, I mean, it's not a. They, they did not get a deal in Chicago on Sato. No. But. They did not overpay. Um, no, the Bulls just want ta- the Bulls just like need to start competing again, so they have to sp- start spending some money. The Bulls, the Bulls have talent. That's the thing. Yeah, they they have some interesting talent. It's just kind of making all those pieces fit, and they're still a year away. So that's why I also had them out. Um, yeah, well, I don't think the, the coach. I don't know if the coach can do it either, but we'll see. So we're recording this right while the Nationals game is going on against the St. Louis Cardinals for in Game 4. I gotta tell you, and this is not a statement of his race or his ethnicity or whatever, Yadier Molina looks like he's straight MS-13, man. Like that, that, <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a bad dude. Just straight MS-13, man. That he guy is, a bad is looking legit dude. gangster. Like, he did... Hudson just plunked him, and I'm like, man, like I, I, I feel like there's gonna be like a dead horse in my bed tomorrow if that was if if I ever did that or whatever the MS13 equivalent of that is. Uh, like that's just getting it uh, executed, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, getting back on point. Don't um, they just cut your hands off? Something man. isn't that their thing? I think that's their big thing. They, they cut people's hands off. Ugh, sounds awful. I, I, I don't want to. You guys outlined the bulls. They're they are what they are. The, oh man, if healthy, I think they can make the playoffs. Today. I I definitely I, I would not put it past them. Shout out to Jim Boylan. I like it even as the team almost mutinied on him. I like him. <laughs> uh, wow, well, he's I, a Popovich disciple, so it's hard to dislike him, right? S- still hate Zach Levine. Still still hate him. Um, but you know Wendell Carter and 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 Laurie, the Finnish Flash, they're fun. The Wizards refugees. It's nice to see them enjoy success elsewhere. Uh, away Dude, from Otto Porter, like once they got Otto Porter, he just fit with the Bulls really, really well. And the like, they were a pretty solid team when he was actually on the squad. How many years so, did we spend trying to make Otto Porter fit, and he arrived there and he fit in fifteen minutes? Because it's not hard to make Otto Porter fit. He's a good player. Yeah, and yet we spent years and coaches and everything trying to make all, him fit. all all they had to do was. All right, Paul Pierce, 
thank you for yeah. your service. Let's move this guy in. And it should have been seamless. And it Paul wasn't. Pierce called game. He called he game. Cert- he certainly did. <laughs> he certainly did. That was a great DC moment. Um, the Nats are making that look like a very m- minuscule moment. Well, they better get this out, dude. But yeah. Seriously. I don't want to talk about Detroit because I find them dreadfully boring, even if Blake Griffin has done – Blake Griffin Derek was Rose. so good last year, though. Hey, Neil, keep your Derrick Rose here. Talk to yourself. <laughs> yeah, Derrick Rose is such a – he's awful. He's just awful. Like oh, everything about him is awful. Old He's man not... Derrick Rose has reinvented himself nicely. I'll give you that. But I and just... he's reunited with his buddy Tony Snell, who's a piece Ugh. of garbage. <laughs> I just I can't, I can't get excited about a team with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. I can't. You don't you don't like the big three MVP Joe Johnson going there? Ooh, ooh, yeah. that's a big move right there, dude. He was a he was incredible in the big three tournament. Who? Come on, dude. You could be incredible in the big three. No, tournament. I could not. No, um, Johnson. I am. Off. I am a 30-year-old white guy with a 5-inch vertical, so yeah, I don't think I would do very well in the big three tournaments. So it's been almost a decade since we were 30 years old. Yeah, 30. Yeah, 30. Say 38. I didn't oh, I think oh, it's, I, 30. it's not like I heard 30. 30. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. I I I think with Dwayne Casey doing defensive things there and you know they have players, I think they'll be the first team out. Um Luke Kennard's a bum. Uh, yeah, there's, you guys talked about the rest of the guys, Derek Rose, no comment. Um, it's Blake Griffin. They got, they got the French guy that all the Wizards fans did not want. Oh yeah. Say good, good riddance. Thank God he didn't come here. So Markeith Morris. Yes. They do. uh, Something. (laughs) I don't know. So I honestly actually had the Pistons. Uh, getting the AC just for the fact of they really they need it more like they just need this more than the Nets do and I thought going down the stretch they would put more effort into winning games I didn't I'm not saying they're a better team or they have a better roster I just in my uh, imaginary land of this season I just see them putting forth more effort Neil who do you have as the eighth seed I have the magic. I have Orlando as the eighth seed. Neil and I are on the same wavelength. Um, Oh man! I mean, they didn't change anything. They didn't change anything. I think the one X factor for Orlando is they were absurdly healthy last year. Like the number of man games they missed for among their top players was like really, really, really low. And I think that's something that's going to have to be monitored this year. Like even if they just regress to the average, um, it's going to be a big jump. But you know, Steve Clifford is a good coach outside of what happened in Charlotte, but Charlotte is in, in NBA. He had some good years in Charlotte. Though. Yeah, he, he wasn't bad there. And it's just, it's just Charlotte. It's Charlotte. It's an NBA outpost. Um, I, I still think I can't, I can't really be excited about a team that has DJ Augustine and, and Evan Fournier. Like I can't, I just, I can't put a bunch of things in Terrence Ross. Remember in the time in Game of Zones where they tried it, they had they debated between Terrence Ross and a horse who does horse things, and they chose the horse who does horse things. They chose the horse. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite episodes. Um, so you know Terrence Ross. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how all the lengthy guys do over there, namely Jonathan Isaac and, and Mo Bamba. Um, but 
yeah. Obama's like a fringe bust. Like, like people don't want to call him a bust because it's only literally been one year and it's too soon to call him a bust. But it's kind of like, yeah, might be a bust. Yeah, like, that might have been like a really. Mm. But what if Aaron Gordon like really takes another leap? I mean, he's he could be an all NBA player. Maybe I think Aaron Gordon. I think he's diet Blake Griffin. Yeah, I he don't is. see that. I, but I don't see him doing all NBA. He's definitely going to be an all star in the East. He'll be an all star. Well, that's because he's going to get votes. I mean, we know voting is is not representative of uh, reality. Um, but I'm surprised nobody's mentioned Markel Fultz, man. I, I was know. getting there. So, so I, I actually had well. I had the Magic at six. Wow! I, wow! Yeah, I just because they they're basically bringing back the same team. And they throw Fultz in there. And you I believe think, in Fultz. I don't. I think Fultz might pull through. And again, you know, kind of like gambling on this. Like, it, that's a that, that's a big upside. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like that's so you're. I mean, you're betting on the upside. I'm just betting on on history. So <laughs> I. <laughs> I don't, the guy was a number one overall pick. Something clearly he had he had some circuitry in the brain that just got miswired. And if they somehow correct that, so like, I don't see why he can't be he, at least 90 percent the player that he should be. That's fair. But in the preseason, um, you see all the highlights of him making that one floater or maybe a couple layups or whatever. They don't show the like 13 other shots that he missed terribly in the same game. Right. So if you're going to perform, like if you're going to show the world that you're back, you're going to do it in preseason when you have the minutes. And he just he just didn't show me anything that like showed me he could do anything well on a consistent base uh, basis on in the preseason. My devil's advocate argument would be it's hard to say that he's going to be the same guy that was supposed to be the number one overall pick in the preseason. I think he could get back to 70 percent of that guy, maybe come February or March. And I think that's what they might be hoping for. Um, I don't know that Fultz is ever going to be the guy who was the number one overall pick. And I think even if they get 80% of that, that's a huge win for them. Um, I do love the Reclamation Project. I'm always a big Reclamation Project yeah. or bet on talent idea. Orlando is enough of another NBA outpost where he's not going to have that pressure on him. Because, you know, in Philadelphia, that situation just became completely untenable. Like, there's just no way that could have worked over there. You know, there's just way too many, way too much baggage, bad blood, whatever you want to call it, um, for that to have worked. And so putting him into Orlando, I think that's a nice way for him to kind of lay low, especially with the rest of the guys that they have there. And there's not so much pressure on him. But yeah, I, I don't know that we're ever going to see the guy who everyone thought would be a slam dunk, great player, as everyone talked about in the 16 draft, I guess it was, or 17 maybe. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be that guy ever frankly but it, if you do they get the six seed congratulations i think they could flirt with yeah i guess maybe they could flirt with five in the right scenario but i think eight is right about where i have them hanging out yeah that's probably right i i'm being incredibly optimistic no i appreciate the optimism it would have been better if you directed to the wizards but then there's also realism too yeah so who do you yeah, have actually, at seven, then? The Raptors. 
Team Me Doc. too. Really? I have the Raptors. I have the Raptors at seven as well. I'm the guy who yeah. likes the Raptors probably the least among us three, and I have them substantially higher. In fact, I'll tell you that I have the Raptors at f- at five. No, sorry, at four. Wow. Why did they give Kyle Lowry an extension? He got paid a fuckload of money. It was Why? a one year though. It's a one year. It's yeah. a one. Does that make make his trade value slightly more appealing? Like if he doesn't like suck, um, come December, like they'll be like, oh yeah, look, Kyle Lowry doesn't suck, and you get another year of him. So please give us something reasonable back in return. Well, no, I mean, because that no the rationale? Kyle Lowry is a free agent, so why are they going to take him as a trade? Unless, I mean, like, you know, he's playing well and he can go to a contender or something, but. Yeah, I don't know. The Raptors, I just, I mean, who's their best player? Siakam. Is it, yeah, I, I, if your best player is Siakam, I, I just don't see that getting anywhere above a seven seed in the East. What if Siakam was really a thing? Like, what if his emergence in the play? I, I'm, I don't believe what I'm saying. Siakam right is now. good. I mean, he's, he's good. He's good when Kawhi Leonard and Lowry are right. Yeah, and I think like, that's the that's the thing. He's probably better as Batman versus Superman, and, so to and speak. And Fred Fred Van Fleet's good as a sixth man. You know, yeah, Fred yeah. Van Fleet smelled like a playoff hero. I it's it's extremely difficult to see him replicating any semblance of what he did in the playoffs last year. I do think. Um, uh, Ananobi is the one player who we're not talking about. Like he, because he didn't play in the postseason, I think he. Yeah, appendicitis. Like, it kind of, it kind of sucks. You yeah, know, you wouldn't can't know. really, can't really, can't really make it through the playoffs with that. Um, so I think there's some room, room to improve there. Norman Powell is fine. Um, you know, he's he's. A, still got Marcus All. Yep, and he's Marcus decline. I, I still go so down. Ibaka's going to decline. Lowry's going to decline. All those guys, I thought were trade chips. All of them, I thought, were trade trips, and I did not understand why they offered Kyle Lowry another year um, when he should just be a, a, a cash dump. Yeah, I don't think they don't really owe him anything. They kept him over DeRozan, and they um, got him a championship. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it was just a bring the band back together as much as possible idea. That but they, they already had him under contract. Like, why give him another year? It just did not make any sense maybe they thought the cap was gonna like i don't know yeah i have no idea i don't know but i think the loss of danny green is also gonna really mess with them like more yeah. than they expect like that's where van vliet is gonna be thrust into like <laughs> thrust um is gonna be uh, thrown into the th- uh you know the thick of things and I, I think van vliet is not gonna be able to step up the way he needs to yeah i mean like i said you just smell like a playoff hero like you know when they just get irrationally you know hot during the time, and then after that, they come back to Earth. Yep. A.K.A. Matthew Della Vadova. <laughs> oh, God. He was just a pest. He was. He, I mean, Patrick Beverly is by far the bigger pest, um, and also the better pest, but yeah, Della, Della Vadova was just an annoyance. So I had, at seven, I had Eric Spolstra's boys, the Miami Heat. Ooh. Mm. Crazy, okay. crazy Jimmy in the in the South Beach gang. Um, I think you know there's there's the, obviously there's Jimmy Butler. It sounds like a terrible fan. It does, doesn't it? Um, you have Waiters Island. Uh, you have. Oh my God! You know Jimmy is gonna punch Waiters. In oh the face my God! Here, that's right? gonna be great. Oh, it's gonna be such a good like. Uh, I can't wait for that practice. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if Goran Dragic has anything left, but. 
the two people who I think are the interesting pieces there. Number one is Justice Winslow, who finally started to show flashes of the guy we've been talking about for feels like two decades now. And then they're all really, really excited about Bam Adebayo. I have them at six. I have the Heat at six. So it's not too far off from Rajan. Um, I mean, I can't really add to anything you guys have added. I think Justice Winslow is going to be the key. And I I just don't believe in Jimmy Buckets to lead a team. Uh, but he you, actually has a coach. He has a really good coach. He had Thibs when Thibs was actually good. Thibs coach. wasn't a good coach. We proved that. Thibs was a good coach on Chicago. Uh because he's everybody to play 53 minutes a game. Not, yeah, that's not debatable. In, not in Minnesota when, you know, Carl Anthony Towns. Yes, and I, you want to know what? Jimmy Butler was great on Chicago when Thibs was running his butt into the ground. They, they, they were, I mean, Thibs, come on, man. Thibs, like, could have gone toe-to-toe with the LeBron Miami Heat if Derrick Rose didn't have, like, wobbly knees, man. <laughs> you know who Thibs couldn't have gone toe-to-toe against? Nene. Oh, God. That's true. That is very true. God, I remember that. Nene just crushed them. Nene and Gortat ate them for dinner. And wasn't like Joakim Noah Defensive Player of the Year that year? And Nene just – So angry watching that damn series. I was so – Just kept shooting buckets in his face. That elbow jumper was the worst goddamn thing. So going back – He was like 75% from there. It was insane. (laughs) Going back to Butler and Dion Waiters, I think one of the biggest issues on this team is Dion Waiters trying to prove that he's better than Jimmy Butler, and like the inevitable fight that you just alluded to breaking that out. That sounds as awesome. A, as a that sounds like a that. great pay per view, right? Um, I think that's something that Spolster is going to have his his work cut out for him. But other than that, the, you know he, the team is going to play above themselves because that's what Spolster's teams do. Their to, their top eight, including he who shall not be named and Kelly Olynyk, is there. Um, Myers Leonard is there, James Johnson, whatever. But it's not bad. Um, I think there is enough- James Johnson actually back on. Like I know he wasn't allowed in because he's sucked at conditioning. Did he actually like uh, fix that? He's on the roster and he's listed on their top eight of the rotation. So interesting. I th- he was like held out of camp because he didn't meet conditioning requirements. <laughs> They're, They're gonna- very strict. They're extremely strict in Miami on their conditioning requirements, as yeah. they should be. Well, I, I mean, most teams should be. They, um, they're going to play above themselves because, as we said, that's what they've done over the last few years. Whether or not they crack 43 wins is remains to be seen. Um, but that's kind of where I had them. Who did you guys have at so, seven? Did we talk about this? I had the Raptors at seven. Okay. I had the Raptors at seven. I actually had the Heat because, honestly, I think the East is basically – you have three teams in the East and a whole bunch of poo. And yep. so I had yep. the Heat as the best of the poo at sure. number four. You had them at four. Okay. Okay. And I could see that. I could I could believe that. So I had Brooklyn at six. Who did you guys have? So mine mine went Heat at six. Okay. So I had Raptor seven, Heat six, and then Brooklyn was five for me. I had the Magic at six. Okay. So we covered the majority of those. We might be getting to the team, the non-poo teams very shortly. So then moving up to five, slightly less stinkier poo. I have, because I had Toronto at four, that leaves Indiana at five for me. That's who I had at five. I mean, I had the Nets because I have Indiana at four. So 
I obviously the $64,000 question proverbially speaking in all of this is when does Victor Oladipo come back? I think the question re- around that question becomes even if Oladipo comes back in January, right? Like let's call it mid-January, which is approximately a year from when he suffered that injury. What percentage of Oladipo are you getting at that time? Like that's one of those where you're not going to see Oladipo who we remember until, until probably 2020. So I think that's the one factor you have to kind of consider in terms of how good this team can be, because otherwise a roster of Miles Turner, who's a nice player, uh, Sabonis, who's also a nice player, President Brogdon and TJ Warren and, you know, the Jeremy Lamb, Marion Holiday, TJ Leaf, all those guys. They're good, but. Eh. TJ Warren was thievery. Yeah, they stole him from the Suns. That was they did. unbelievable that, that they were able to get him. I think. They need to make a move between they need to make a decision between Turner and Sabonis because the the two just don't fit on the roster. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they what they do, which one they pick. I'd go with Sabonis. I think there's more upside there and more skill there, but I think Turner will probably give you a little more defense. Um, Either one of them is going to be easy to move, though. Yeah, I think both of them. If they decide they want to move Sabonis, I think they'd be a much friendlier market. At least that's how I feel. Well, and then the other thing is is that they were, they still had the cap room to be able to lure Malcolm Brogdon over, which fills a huge void that uh, Oladipo left. So. Even until Oladipo comes back, they're going to be able. They're going to be a strong team because I mean, Malcolm Brogdon's a really good player. He's a, a very really solid good, player. yeah. I was, I was all around player, and the Bucks are going to sorely miss him, especially given how much they paid to a certain someone else. But um, I think Sabonis is going to be the one that they end up trading, just because Turner has the rare three and D skill set for a big guy. That there, even though he's kind of a he's he has knuckleheaded tendencies or he has tendencies to disappear for longer stretches of time, um, I think they're going to be willing to ride that as a result and be like, we're just going to bet on this guy's talent as opposed to uh, trying to trade it away and watch him theoretically become a superstar somewhere else. Whereas I think Sabonis, they might feel like you know he can garner something else in return and thus they can move him if they decide to, or when they decide to. Right. I think they I really do think they need to make that decision this year. And I think, you know, the trade trade deadline time frame is probably the best opportunity for them to get to maximize that value. Well, they'll know where where Oladipo is at that point, too. But I, I have the Pacers ranked that high as well, because we're talking regular season and Nate McMillan showed he's like a, a really, really good coach for this particular team. I think. His offensive think, creativity might leave something to be desired, but generally speaking, yes. Yeah, I, I mean, like, as they didn't really miss a beat in the regular season when Oladipo went down. No, uh, until March or April when the wheels started to come off, but yes. Right, sure. The fact that they were playing that well for a healthy stretch of time, I would say through the end of February into March, after Oladipo went down with that injury, it was extremely commendable. So I had Toronto at four. You guys had, remind me. I had the Heat at four. Yeah, and so I had the Pacers at four. Got it. And now we get to the top three in the East, which actually is a 
pretty kind of compelling grouping. All right. So then I will turn to you using your comment, John, as a segue. Who do you have at three? Well, well there's the obvious third team. It's the Celtics because they just have <laughs> – I mean – Are the Celtics the, top... the obvious third, third three team? I have them at number three, by the way, but just ask the question. I do as well. As the yeah, because the other two teams are just so loaded, but the Celtics still – like. I don't know. There's something about them. I mean, they get they get rid of the stink of Kyrie. They bring in Kemba, who I think fits. But that loss of Al Horford is really going to be crippling for them. Leading rebounder, second in assists. I mean, yeah, yeah. Great locker room guy. I mean, Big Al was huge for them. And the fact that they lost him to um, a conference rival is a massive loss. Um, But. What if Jason Tatum and Jalen Jalen Brown take massive leaps this year? And Gordon Hayward comes back to 100. Right. And Gordon Hayward, this is so he's two years. What's your rule, Rajan? Two years two to years. recover the Rajan rule. Yeah. Season after so the season. The season after this is the season after the season. He did show flashes. Um, the thing like they have no big men. They have no big men. Um. Yeah, so they're that, gonna get crushed by you know, the, the Sixers, if, you know, when they play. Unless, unless like, as I said, unless Tatum and Brown are just playing out of this world and coach uh, Brad Stevens is just somehow, he really um, took a downgrade last year. I mean, people were like, is he really? So that that question is really being asked. Undeproved. I think this season is a big referendum on the Brad Stevens myth. Like, if you can't do it, so I think the, the the addition by subtraction is the big thing for them, right? Like, how much better did you get because you got rid of Kyrie Irving's crazy ass, right? Um, and Well, they replaced him with Kemba, so I right. don't, it's not even getting rid of it's, you know, you replace him with Kemba. That's not complete subtraction, so that, yeah. But Kemba Walker, we'll much, all agree, is not much, Kyrie Irving from a pure talent standpoint or from a pure ability standpoint. I mean, he's, Kyrie Irving is not chop liver or he's not I – mean, excuse me, Kemba Walker is not chop liver. He's not even like a replacement player level. Like he's obviously much better than that. He's a third-team All-NBA. He did the third-team All-NBA this year. I don't know if he deserved it, but he got the third-team All-NBA. So um, he's obviously a very good player, but um, you know, he doesn't have the pure – talent and capability of Kyrie Irving, but he is obviously a much better fit for what they're trying to do from an intangible standpoint. And if Stevens doesn't get them to play closer to a 50-win team um, or to a 50-win team at the end of the season, I think, yeah, there's going to be a question to John's point of like, are we sure Brad Stevens is the guy who we thought? Yeah, I hard to argue. I think also getting rid of Rozier um is actually going to be beneficial to them as well because he was he was raising up a stink. I was going to say, I thought uh, you were for a second you were going to say getting rid of scary Terry was a bad thing and I'm like Neil where are you going with this one? Oh no, it's a great thing. Yeah, I okay. think it's yeah. Yeah, just yeah, making it's a sure. Thing. Yeah, the yeah, fact yeah, that no. uh um Charlotte paid him so much money is just unbelievable charlotte nobody nobody i don't think anybody in the state of north carolina or anywhere else in this country we're all in the world for that matter is going to look at that and even come up with a justifiable reason why they should have paid terry rozier i think it's far and away the worst oh my god i think rozier thinks he deserved that much money man 
Uh, he was laughing. He had to be laughing when he signed this. He goes, I can't believe this shit. Yeah. Wasn't Zach Lowe the one talking about how Mitch Kupchak basically came out and said, like, we, we know we made a mistake. It's like he hasn't even dribbled the ball in a regular season game for you, and you're already yeah. saying that contract was a mistake. Like, that that takes the cake. Ernie Grunfeld hasn't done that. He may yeah. not realize his own mistakes, but even that level of horrific Yeah, he did not hand uh, Jan Mahimi's signing like that he was very very happy to get Jan Mahimi um I agree with the premise about Gordon Hayward being closer to his Utah form now that it's the season after the season I think we we talked about it last year I thought the pressure on Hayward was absolutely ridiculous like you don't come back from that injury just one year later and all of expect to be physically let alone psychologically the same and the fact that we were people were piling on Hayward like oh how come he's not Gordon Hayward anymore like dude it takes time these are human beings at the end of the day I think when you remove the fart that was Kyrie Irving from the locker room that helps a lot I think when you people are gonna are kind of kind of write off Gordon Hayward be like oh Gordon Hayward sucks now and I think having that pressure off his back is a good thing um, I think a lot of that applies to Jason Tatum as well, that we were so we were expecting Jason Tatum to be a top 15 player in the NBA, and he obviously wasn't in his second season. And now that that pressure is off him, he might be able to kind of develop at a normal pace. So I think, um, you know, I'm I'm no fan of the Celtics by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that this is all of this bodes well for them. They did take some hits on their bench because after Marcus Smart is their sixth man, you've got guys like... Daniel Theus and Grant Williams is the guys who are going to be contributors. Um, I think Romeo Langford was a pretty good draft pick. I think he's going to be able to get buckets for them. Uh, Taco Fall is on a two-way deal. Yeah, that Taco could Fall. Be. That's, that's, not gonna have, that's not going to amount to anything. Romeo Langford no, is a talented not. player, but he's a hot dog. That's fine. Enos Cantor is going to get him buckets and not play defense. Yeah. So... He'll be Al Horford's super duper duper light. I don't understand no, how a team that's that, insulting that, to Al Horford. That, that's uh, an insult. That's that, definitely an insult to Al Horford. When you had a guy who with the, the lauded leadership skills of Al Horford and you let this all go to shit, that says something about how bad the Kyrie Irving experience was. Pretty much. So there's only two teams left, and the question is who's one and who's two. The obvious big two are there. Neil, if you had to, among your rankings, who would you have as the second best team? Regular teams? season record, I have Philadelphia as number two. Okay. John? And that's, I think that's I know agreed. who you number one. Yep, totally agreed. Uh, you can't, again, load management is going to come is. into play for this team. Joel Embiid's only going to play so many games. Um, but man, is that a big-ass team. And so, it's awesome because with when Embiid's out, you have Horford in. You're yeah. still you're still gonna like just you know put in Horford, and that's I I you know everybody's wondering how they're gonna both play together on the floor. I think Horford will just make it work. He's such a smart player. Like I remember when I remember when we were talking actually when it, Horford was deciding between Washington and Boston. And he, I mean, when he chose must Boston, you bring that up? I have yeah. because this is how because we got Horford Jan Mahimi instead. <laughs> It, this is more to uh, talk about how good Horford is versus how sad and, sad and pathetic the Wizards were at that point. Um, he would have made a huge difference for that, for your team. I mean, and he makes a difference on any team he's on. Uh, the question I have is, will Ben Simmons actually be able to make a three in the regular season? 
maybe he's so he's listed as point guard now because like my whole thing is like how are all these guys gonna fit because you have to hide ben simmons somewhere when you're on offense you gotta hide him somewhere so where does he where is he because you can't like just have him camp out on the three-point line because his defender's just gonna go immediately towards the basket yeah just clog clog the the paint um so that's that's the that's the problem with with Ben and Embiid is Ben occupies Embiid's space. Horford, fortunately, doesn't because Horford can play anywhere. He can be at the three. He can be at the elbow. He can be at the basket. He he can play anywhere, and that's where he, his value is really going to shine. I think yeah, I think getting rid of buckets and having Tobias move into that small forward slot like as his thing. That's also going to make, you know, that's just going to improve his game a ton. And I actually don't hate the Josh Richardson. Josh pick. Richardson can play. Yeah, he's he a great, play. he's a great consolation prize. Oh my God. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. So I have Philadelphia as my number one for all the reasons you guys outlined outside of the misfits. I think the starting five of Simmons, Richardson, Harris, Horford, and Embiid has filthy defensive potential. And I think Brett, so and Brett Brown is going to be able to get the most out of them. Um, I This is his do or die season. This too. has this to is, be. And I think that yeah. pressure may be something that you have to factor in over the course of the year. But to the load management uh, comment, I think Brown has shown a propensity to stagger his guys' minutes. And as a result of that, not have to work, not basically do the opposite of Tibbs instead of playing one guy 103 minutes a game, like understand (laughs) how to kind of best use his guys over the course of a game. So that instead of resting someone per se for an entire game, that you're maybe only playing them 32 to 36 minutes or something of that nature. Um, Yeah, sure. The question is, can Ben Simmons uh, shoot it from more than three feet away? Can Embiid stay healthy and stay in shape? They're all there. But I think we've talked about Horford and all the other stuff he brings. Has Philadelphia had a grown-up in the room at any point to kind of tell the younger guys, like even Embiid, like this is how you're supposed to go about things. Like you can't drink Shirley Temples all day and then just turn it back on and be fine, right? Like there's nobody that's been that sage old man on the mountain. I think Horford brings a lot to the table from that perspective. To your point, you know, like imagine what he would have done for the Wizards. That's the biggest thing that I think Paul Pierce brought to the team that one year he was here. He was a grown up in the room to tell the kids what to do. And I think Al Horford bringing that in addition to his basketball IQ and general playmaking ability just can't be understated. So that's why I have Philadelphia number one and I have Milwaukee at number two just because I just don't trust the depth on that team. Yeah, I mean, the Sixers definitely have a a lot more depth. Um, Zaire Smith actually could also be something kind of special. And uh, oh, Matias... Pedro, Pedro Martinez is doing Baby Shark on the TBS postgame set. I'm oh my happy. goodness. Yeah. But uh, Thibel is just somebody, he's so absolutely good at defense that if you want to lock somebody down as a, as a rookie, you can just throw him out there and he'll be able to just lock any anybody down. I mean, he's he's pretty pretty incredible. So yeah, I mean, they definitely have the depth. I just think that they're they're going to need some time to to kind of gel, and I think they're going to miss some time with their talent. That that's why Milwaukee's going to be able to get the one seed over them. Um, I, yeah, and I the Lopez hate, brothers. 
they're going to be overly cautious with Embiid again because they know he's he needs to be healthy for the postseason. So I, I just think they're going to load manage the hell out of him. Like, even if he doesn't really need it, they're going to be like, yo, rest your knees, man. Like, no back-to-backs. Or, like, no. very, very few back-to-backs. I, I would give him zero back-to-backs. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other question is that they have no other point guard. Oh, Trey Burke's on there. Ugh. Trey Burke and uh, uh, Neto, I guess, is a, a backup point guard. But that doesn't matter. I mean, once you get to the playoffs... You have an eight-man rotation, and they're going to have a very solid eight-man rotation. And, you know, Mike Scott's always good for beating somebody up. I was going to say, crazy as Mike Scott is over there. Don't And uh, and don't forget Zaire Smith. Like, he didn't play all of last year, but, you know, you're basically adding him as a new guy to the roster. That's what I'm saying. He's good. He's really good. So I, I love um, – I, I'm very high on them. I think you mentioned Mike Scott. James Ennis played really well in the playoffs, not so much in the regular season, but he's there. Um, kind of segueing back to Milwaukee, why at number two, they're they're the opposite. I I think Giannis, you can say as many superlatives as you want about Giannis Antetokounmpo, and you'd probably still be shelling him short. Like he's just fucking incredible. He there's I don't even over LeBron James, I don't think there's a more must see player in the NBA right now from a live perspective. But what after him, right? And I think this is why it's just going to continue to fuel, you know, not to put the cart ahead of the horse, but the whole where is Giannis going to leave or when is Giannis going to leave and where is he going to go conversation. Because, like, look, you paid a butt ton of money to Chris Middleton. Uh, Chris Middleton is probably the – Chris Middleton's a good player. He's a good player, but he's the maximum – He's an all-star player. But – He's the max that Milwaukee's going to attract. I mean, you still got Bledsoe and Brooke Lopez. I mean, Bledsoe's ahead. Bledsoe gets the yips as much as any player in the NBA when it comes to the playoffs. Brooke Lopez is fine. He's he's a nice he he's he's a savvy KG guy, right? Yeah, and they got Robin Lopez, and that twin power is going to be exponentially greater (laughs) than the singular. I was going to say this is not sideshow Bob. I'm telling you, man. I, I've been waiting for Marcus and Markeith to get together. So to see uh, Robin and Brooks finally unite since their Stanford days, I mean, this is going to be incredible because those dudes are tight. I I think they bone the same girl at the same time. That's how tight they are. Uh, I mean, <laughs> oh, my God. Can't go one uh, podcast without mentioning double penetration. Crazy. I can't. Uh, I, I can't unsee. So the question for them is, who the hell is playing the two? Sterling Brown, Pat Connaughton, Dante, Stephen Chenzo, Wes Matthews, Kyle Korver, Frank Mason. I, I I don't know. Like they just that's their hole, and that's the hole that Malcolm Brogdon left them with, and that's going to be tough for them to fill it'll be Wes I mean Wes is Wes will be your starter and then I don't think Kyle Corver's gonna get I don't think I think Kyle Corver's kind of done he's just gonna give you maybe 10 minutes a game um Probably. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they put like George Hill on that slot a little bit definitely um, when it comes crunch time and Eric Bledsoe and can well. you really expect George Hill to have the same playoffs again this year that he did last year like George Hill was really good for a portion of last year's playoffs and to expect that like oh he's just going to do the same thing every postseason I feel like is really far-fetched Kyle Corver's older than me oh <laughs> so is Vince Carter 
Sterling that, Brown that is, is an, true. Sterling Brown's a nice player on the team. Like he's a nice piece over there. But um, my favorite part about Attendacumpa was when he called Ben Simmons a fucking baby. That was nice oh my god! I laughed my ass off when he did that. So that so that's the big thing. The rivalry between Milwaukee and the Sixers all year is going to be so heated and so entertaining. I'm going to love every second of it. And that's what I think brings – yeah. And then they're just going to meet in the conference finals. And, yeah, when he called Ben Simmons, he says, you're a baby. You're a fucking baby. I was like, damn, that is harsh. That is harsh. But then again, you also have Joel Embiid, who is a obviously a notorious trash talker. Like, I think Carl Anthony Towns needed therapy after Embiid came <laughs> Embiid, uh, I think he clowned him on Instagram or something, and which is sad because that's the things that happen now these days. But like, you know, Embiid is—he—he's obviously no no stranger or no um not going to back down from any of said trash talking. Then you have the wrinkle of Budenholzer versus Brett Brown in terms of you know the coaching matchup or the coaching uh, disparity between the two of them. Except Budenholzer has maybe the lesser talent on his roster. Yeah, I, I think the two of them set up really nicely for a rivalry. I just. If you're going one through eight, I just I don't see how Milwaukee, even with as worldly as Giannis is, can really match up. That's because Giannis can take another step. He still has. He, well, he needs throw. to be able to make a three pointer. Like, he can I, make a three. So if Giannis can shoot for more right, than twelve so out, better, out, then imagine that. Yeah, God, he'll be nasty. He's so, he's yeah. His year his his way to get to the hoop is amazing. You know, but he's to me, he's never been a threat like from the outside. No, but that's because he's so good on the inside that you're like, all right, we can't give him this. We'll give him that. I mean, you always give him the lesser like, two evils. I mean, but look at the way that Toronto just suffocated him in the in the finals last in the conference finals last year. But they at just, least Giannis they... has that appetite to get better. Like he he didn't not he didn't do the Draymond Green and just not get fat. He didn't get fat and he got better. I don't know if it's in his DNA to get fat. Right. But I think but I think he'll get DNA better. to get better. He's going to get better and I think the regular season will burn him out. And then I think in the playoffs, I think it's just going to I think it's going to be tough. It's proven that it's, you can when you play a team 7 times over the course of 2 weeks, you can start figuring out wrinkles for how do you stop a player even as otherworldly as Atanakumpo, right? At some level, LeBron needed not at some level, it's pretty much at every level, LeBron needed someone to take some of the pressure off of just him exclusively in order to, you know, break through and reach that cusp. Adonikumbo doesn't have anything close to that, and that's the thing I keep coming back to. I want him to. I'm not rooting against him. It is, I think, as sports fans, we should all hope that players of that nature eventually win a championship. I just don't know that the construct around him is facil- will be able to facilitate that. Yeah, he... Th- this is not a postseason discussion, right? I mean, no, this is no, it's not. this. He's a this is a great regular season team. They're not. They're not. I don't think they're coming out of the East. And I think they're too damn talented to finish anywhere lower than three at the very worst. There, there's no way they fin- finish lower than coach. two. I agree. There's no way they finish lower than two, unless Giannis gets hurt, and then well, right. As again, injuries can just totally uh, derail a team. So, like, when you at least have two stars, you're not incredibly screwed. Whereas, yeah, if Milwaukee loses Giannis, they are done. Yeah, it's that's like Cleveland, like, you know, bottom of the barrel kind of stuff. 
I think the most devastating part of this entire offseason was uh, Toby and Bobby being broken up in Philadelphia. Ah, uh, yeah, Boban. Boban the Giant. Boban's in Dallas. He is in Dallas. There's yeah. a, there was a p- picture of him on Twitter, I think a day or two ago, where he was holding a diet co- a can of Diet Coke. And like it looked well, like a normal person, the way a normal person holds like like a tanger <laughs> like a tangerine, right? Like you know how like you could just swallow up a tangerine in your hand. That's how he like swallowed up the can of Diet Coke. Like it just didn't it ceased to exist when he wrapped his hand around it. Jeez. Looked like a like a Jello shooter in his hand, basically, right? It, the way we hold a golf ball is the way he holds a, di- a can of Diet Coke. All right, so. If you had, I know this is not a postseason uh, production, as we mentioned, but if we had to pick a team that's coming out of the East, are either of you comfortable calling Milwaukee or, or um, Boston? So it can't be anybody else. I'm, I'm picking calling the Milwaukee. I'm calling the Sixers. Yeah. I'm going with Giannis. I'm pouring one out for Sam Hinkie, and I'm calling with the, the Philadelphia 76ers as well. I don't like it. Cause I, Who I don't wins like your MVP it. then? What in the league? league in MVP? the league, who wins league MVP? I have to think a little harder on that one. That one's tough because I, because so I have this like uh, preconceived notion that Giannis can't repeat because voters just don't like to like. They like repeat. him. They like him. But the so narrative, it's very difficult for him to rewrite to write a new narrative uh, around him. I mean, Steph Curry has a shot. That's uh, I. I think it's Steph. It, because yeah, remember, as many people have said before us, the MVP award is not given to the best player. The MVP award is given to the best narrative for the for one of the best players. Right, and I think I think Steph LeBron is, is in there. The I think Steph I think... has the easiest narrative to write. Yeah, Steph and I'm not saying Anthony Davis is even a contender for it, but Steph and Anthony Davis have the two easiest narratives. I don't know that anybody else. There's. There's a universe. I'm not saying it's going to happen, or even even the top five. There's a universe that like Joel Embiid is in the conversation, or like where you, the story is written about him in a certain way. Um, I don't think there's anybody else in the East because to John's point, like what else are we going to say about Giannis? Like it's very difficult to see him taking another transcendent leap the way he did last year, and voters being like being able to defiantly say we should vote for him again. Right. Yeah. So and, like right now, go ahead, Neil. If Boston goes next level, uh, I could totally see Gordon Hayward in that conversation because that would be an amazing story. Would it be MVP? Like he'd have to have some sick numbers to get into that kind of, type well, of conversation. He 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 could. I mean, it's, it's not un, it's not unfathomable. unfathomable he's not even on Vegas's charts. Yeah. So, like, I pulled up the the MVP odds, and so Giannis is, of course, number one at plus three hundred. Steph is at plus 550, LeBron is at plus 650, Anthony Davis at plus 700, and then James Harden at plus 800. And then Kawhi is at plus 900, which I don't buy whatsoever. I don't think Kawhi is getting that. He's not going to play enough games. I don't think he's going to even win that award, really. It's... So this is the intriguing one. Joel Embiid at plus 1200. I, I, th- I absolutely think there's, like I said, there's a universe. That's that a happens. tasty payout. He just has to, one, stay in shape, two, play enough games, which comes he back to the load management 65 question. He plays 65 games? He has to want it too. I don't think he wants. I think he just wants to get to the postseason. 
Damn it, but I want to win big money, so I want to bet on them. <laughs> That's 12 to 1 odds, basically. I mean, there's a next. reason they're giving you 12 to 1 odds. I know. <laughs> but, you know, it's like one of those things. It's like, you know, winning, like, yeah, I put 100 bucks on Giannis and I won 300. That's great. But you want to know what? The odds of me not winning 300 bucks, I think, are pretty darn good. Um, so I'd rather just get a lottery ticket named Joel Embiid and ride that roller coaster than to bet on one of the more sure thing guys. All right. That's another conversation for another day. So we'll kind of wrap it up there. Um, thank you both for enduring both grueling stretches of this pod and providing your thoughts and insights and uh, the work you put into it. And for anyone who's made it this far into the pod, thank you very much for listening. As I say at, at the end of every one of our episodes, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud, like us on iTunes, and subscribe to us and leave us any feedback. And we'll continue to do this on a semi-regular basis from an NBA perspective once we get tired about talking about football, which won't happen to me for the next foreseeable future but still um <laughs> nonetheless we'll still making sure we keep tabs on the nba season and do this as a routine touch point uh thank you again guys and we will talk to you soon go nats go nats yes the nationals are going to the world series unbelievable thank you for listening to the hail to the district podcast be sure to subscribe to us on itunes or wherever you download your podcasts